0: I can still hear you behind that tree, and you sound good. <laughs> sound real good. Thank you for being here. Seriously. And here's to some healing for that special gift you give us every week, weekend, week out. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. you need Wimberly. Wimberley. You're looking good. Looking good. I see some familiar faces from last night at the Christmas party. You guys look great last night. We had Betty Posses. Were you tinkles? Twinkle. Oh. That makes, that makes more sense now. <laughs> I thought it was, I don't see sprinkles, but I thought you were, t- okay, all right. Just the cutest, most proficient little elves in the kitchen yesterday. It was great. We had amazing singers giving their joy and their talents to us. We had twinkles. One of a husband cutting up a rug out there. I don't know how you do that footwork, man. That was, that was pretty good. I can't do it. You had me trying to get through a Run DMC Christmas song, "Christmas Time in Hollis, Queens." Uh, the tempo was fast; it's a lot faster than uh, I remembered when I listened to it. But uh, got through it. And speaking of fast, time is just flying. We're in the second week of Advent, and yesterday marked our third, third annual Christmas party, Christmas pizza party. It's a, yeah, it happened at a really time when we were still dealing with COVID and we all came together, got here on the hill, let fear subside, and we just felt each other, each other's presence. It's been such a wonderful uprising ever since then. So I just wanted to, you know, remember that because it's been so wonderful. It's become a tradition here now. And um, we also have another tradition that's new in our household. This year, my oldest son was on me about doing the Elf on the Shelf. Do you guys, any parents out here do that? Yeah, and he kept petitioning for it. And I was like, I don't know. It's going to be a big pain in the, you know what, I don't really want to do it. But I gave in. I was like, you know what, let's open myself to this energy. Because you know what, time will fly by and pretty soon he probably won't want to do this kind of stuff. And having that really fosters and just opens up, you know, the idea of belief. And so I was like, all right, we'll do it. And I made the choice to do it. And, uh, of course, the third night I forgot to do it. And he came to me in the morning and he was like, daddy, daddy, the elf didn't move. And <laughs> I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't quite awake yet. And I put the onus on him. I just looked at him and was like, hey, man, maybe you just didn't believe him. <laughs> I know, I know, this year, yeah. Yeah, I'll take my whippings after after service. <laughs> Yeah, this year I'm, uh, I'm going to ask Santa for more grace, uh, more integrity, and a better memory. <laughs> it's quite the paradox, though, isn't it, that this time of year we sing songs about being tender and mild and things about silent nights, but it often seems like that's the last thing we get. We're always running around, got things to do. I don't know if you guys are this way, but it's like, do I put up enough lights, I get enough presents I go to enough parties that do all the things. There's enough, enough, enough. And it's just such a paradox because we lose sight of what this time of year is really about, right? It's not about the presence. It's about being present. But we get distracted by all these things that we think we need to do. Get distracted. You've got to go all these places about these things, these, these events. Reminds me of... Um, the tying up of the cat. Have you guys ever heard that story? There was this, no? There was this monastery where the teacher came and all of his disciples would come in the evening to meditate, but the monk, the teacher, had a cat and he would come and he'd go in between all the practitioners and rub their purr, hit them with their tail, and they just couldn't focus, so they, he had to tie the cat up so they could sit there and be peaceful and meditate. And so after, not too long, It became a ritual where they'd have to tie the cat up before they could meditate. They couldn't meditate without tying the cat up. And of course, eventually the cat passed away. They had to get another cat because they couldn't do their meditation. (laughs) And obviously, obviously it wasn't about the tying up of the cat. It just became this ritual. They lost sight of what they were doing. And we do that so much now. And rituals are good. They have their place in our society and in our lives. But oftentimes, we forget about the why we're doing things, the intention behind them. The energy. You know, we get consumed and caught up with the enoughness. You know, putting up the tree shouldn't be a stressful event. I mean, if you got glass ornaments and a couple little boys, then yes, it kind of is. And we lose a few ornaments every year, but it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about being at peace, doing the sacred act. Why are you doing it? You're doing a sacred act, putting up a sacred tree at a sacred time and a sacred space with people's love who you feel are sacred. We forget that. We forget that. We get caught up on the external, the outside things. Everything's got to be right. The ornaments have to look good. The lights have to look good. But peace, it's an inside job. Like Jan Jan So beautifully illustrated. It's an inside job. But oftentimes we get so consumed about wanting the external to look right. And when the outside matches what you want inside, when it matches your mind, your stories, and your stuff, You get excited. You get happy. You're peaceful, right? But that's the low-hanging fruit. Because how often is the external going to match the internal? Life, children, people rarely do what you want it to do. And if you try to spend your life trying to fix that or trying to manipulate that, it's going to be a futile, miserable endeavor. The work is inside my loves. And it can be... The work of a lifetime, but it's our work to do. John 16.33 said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said that. And he was able to overcome the world because he was able to overcome himself. He was able to overcome his stuff, the things that kept him back, his personal mind. He was able to bypass that and go straight to God, go straight to the universe, go straight to divine creation. He didn't need to fiddle with it. He didn't need to sit there. He could do that anytime, anywhere. He didn't need rituals. He knew that he was enough. And I think that we get lost sometimes in the idea that situations need to be how we want them to be, that things need to be We need to be without conflict to be at peace, or we need to go somewhere to find peace. It's not true. Peace is within us all the time. We can access it no matter what. We always want to go somewhere to find it. It's like the monk on a boat. The monk untethered his little fishing boat, He took it out in the middle of the lake, dropped anchor, got moored up, and sat there closed his eyes and started to meditate, to get away from it all. And as he was just relaxing and touching and becoming one with the universe, he felt this smack on his boat. And right as it hit his boat, he felt anger rising up inside of him. And as he opened his eyes to lash out and give all this vitriol to this errant, this irresponsible boatsman that hit him, he opened his eyes and saw that it was just an empty boat. It was a boat that probably got untethered from the docks and floated out on the lake and hit him. And it was in that moment that he had some semblance of self-realization that anger is not anywhere else but inside of us. And it just takes the small little nudge of an external object to provoke it. And any time people would start to irritate him or agitate him, he would go back to that and realize they are not the problem. The anger is inside of me. And we're all monks on a boat on some level. Or maybe people in cars. <laughs> we don't really have a lot of time, of, have a hard time getting the anger provoked out of us in the cars, do we? No. We get behind that windshield and ooh, we, can, we can pour it out real quick, vitriol and nasty things to say, but anger is inside of us. But peace is inside of us just the same. You know? And the one thing that we have complete dominion over is how we respond, how we respond in the situation and not react. And that, that is the work too. And that's where our practices come in. That is where our spiritual practices come in. But oftentimes we get caught up in the erroneous thinking of, well, I've got this practice and I'm going to do it. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do breath work. And we get quiet. We try to get still. We get away from it all. And then all these negative thoughts come creeping in. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it long enough? Am I doing it good enough? Am I doing it like they did? And they can be anybody. They can be your friends, they can be your family, your parents, your teachers, Jesus. I mean, you can take it up as far the line as you want to. that's where the stumbling block comes in, my loves. We can't do that. We shouldn't do that. Matsuo Basho, a 17th century Japanese poet, said, do not seek to follow in the footsteps of the wise. Seek what they sought. Or maybe to put it in plainer terms, comparison is the thief of all joy. I think that quote can be Attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. Comparison is the thief of all joy. The perfect path to peace is within you. It's about being you to your fullest, your highest extent, not being somebody else. Don't strive to be Buddha. Don't strive to be like Jesus Christ. Be Christ like what we think about God is going to make the difference between a haunting fear that weighs us down and keeps us back or an exhilarating strength and inspiration that stimulates us to our highest achievement. I'm going to say that one more time. What we think about God is going to make the difference between a haunting fear that weighs us down and keeps us back or an exhilarating strength and inspiration that inspires us and stimulates us to our highest achievement. That's from Reverend Paul Hasselback in his amazing book, heart center metaphysics. And I shared that last time during my last talk, but I want to do it again because it is just so true. To me, it encapsulates everything. It's so true. It's so right. Can we download that? Can we really internalize that and incorporate that into our belief structure? Because we can't access peace. We can't access our divinity. We can't access our gifts, our greatness, if we worry that God... Creation, that divine intelligence that permeates everything and automates everything in our life, is judging us. Can we? No. We're not going to find that amazing space if we think we have to go somewhere, go to someone and beseech it, to ask it for its favor, to ask to forgive us for our misgivings. We'll never be at peace if our sole motivation is to impress and find favor. We'll never be at peace if we think that there is any kind of separation. And so many of us have, letten, have let God get taken out of, get beaten out of us. By our friends, society, our family, our teachers. The people we so quickly turn around and try to impress. And this isn't to belittle anybody, but your relationship with God is yours and yours alone. Your relationship with creation is yours. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because the truth is how you view relationship with God, how you view your relationship with creation, how you view your relationship with yourself is reality. Nothing else matters. It's all right in here. And you have to start from here to find wholeness and then spread it out into the world. It's time to be at peace with that and fully know that. The deepest cellular heart level you can. John 14, 12 said, Very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things, because I am going to the Father. I'm going to the Father. The Father and I are one. And all that means is, I am the universe. The universe is me. I'm not just a being in the universe. I am the universe and a being. And oftentimes we lose sight of that. We get separated from that because we have these stumbling blocks that are our traumas, our samskaras, these things we store deep inside of us that block our greatest good. They keep our energy suppressed and not open. And yeah, these things are part of you. But the fallacy is we look at these as we're this mirror that got shattered and we're broken. It's not true. We're whole. We're still intact. These pieces are just us. We are the sum of our parts, and that's okay. Let's not fight it any longer. Let's make peace. Don't fall to pieces. Make peace with these pieces. Because like Jesus, you can always go to God, and you can always be in touch with the vine because you are one with it. I don't know about you guys, but I struggle with that constantly. I come up here and I do all these talks and I read all these verses. I still struggle with the idea of God and I are one. That I am godlike, that I am enough. And I get in this comparative mode. I belittle myself, put myself down. And therefore I can't share my joy with the world, with my fellow brothers and sisters. When I was in Los Angeles pursuing acting, I go in all these audition rooms and I go there with this misery. In my heart, it wasn't this chance to go express myself. I'd come in there, I'd look at every other guy in the room, and I'd cuss them under my breath, and I'd want to, like, pick a fight with them because, you know, oh, these guys. And I'd just sit there and get mad. And if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't a competition thing, it was a comparative thing. I'd go home, and I'd look in the mirror. I'd be like, man, I want to be like Brad Pitt, Ryan Gosling, Ben Affleck, who, whoever the hot actor was at that moment. And, I, you know, I'd look in the mirror, I'd look at myself and who I really was, and i realized I'm not them. And I got all upset about it. But what I didn't realize then was I didn't need to be like them. I needed to be more like Michael Finn. You needed to be more like you. There's already one of them. But is there one of you that's fully expressed? And i go in those rooms, you know, and I'd always try to be somebody else, and everyone could feel it. There was no joy. There was no creation. It was just this... Paint by numbers kind of thing I was doing. And then the whole acting career folded when we moved back to Texas. And I had some friends that became really successful musicians. And I was like, all right, I'm going to become a musician. So I got a bunch of guitars. (laughs) And like, how can I prove myself artistically? How can I get your approval creatively? It's got to be that, right? Be a rock star. So I'd practice. I'd sequester myself in a room for like two or three hours away from my family. And I'd practice. But not like in a loving, joyous way. In a belittling, just how can I get better quick way? And there was no joy in that. Why don't you know? Why am I not getting better faster? Why don't I sound like Clapton? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And music is supposed to bring joy and togetherness. But all it was doing was separating me from those that I loved. It's true. And you know, my whole story was, well, I owe it to myself. I can do this and be creative. But I was trying to, I was too busy punching a wall, trying to make a window or a door, not realizing the truth. And at some t- at some point during that, I got into spirituality. Right? Like we all do. We're all here. And I use that as an ego game as well. You know, I start listening to Michael Singer, Anita Moranji, all these people. And if you haven't listened to Michael Singer, by the way, do yourself a favor. He's, he's fantastic. And I'd listen to his talks, his audible books. You know, midway through his stories, I'd start comparing. You know, comparison's a thief of all joy. And I'd be like, why have I not overcame? Why have I not transcended my stuff already like he did? Or why haven't I had such an amazing meditation? Why haven't I just felt the shakti pot just fill me up? You know, come from your root chakra up to the top, and you just connect with the universe. You know, he did. He did. Why, why can't I? <laughs> then you start, then these negative thoughts of, well, I'm not doing it right. Or maybe, even worse, maybe I'm just broken. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm unfixable. I'm just a mess. And everything was just a substitution in misery. <laughs> Tried everything. I um, even got to the point where it came in my life so many times, I just couldn't refute it anymore. Like, so many signs. So I had to sit down, a little ritual ceremony with ayahuasca. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it is uh, a... Pl- <laughs> yeah, Jan-Jan, what's going on? Um, it's... <laughs> Love her, man. I love her. Um, it is uh, a plant vine medicine that originates from Amazon forests in South America, and it's been around for millennia. The shamans there use it for rituals, um, spiritual practices, and it's psychoactive. So you know, it can brew, brew it into a tea or a kind of mix. And so I did it, and on the first night of my journey, she came to me. And it's a she because that's the through line. I mean, everyone has different experiences and different journeys, but ayahuasca is called Mama Sita. She is the divine feminine energy. She comes to you. That's the one. Everyone has that same experience, different but same. And she came to me, and she looked at me very sternly. She was like, you never accept your gifts. You never accept your gifts. And I, I didn't get it at first, but I sat with it. And as you know, the days and weeks progressed. I started thinking. I was like, you know what? She's right. I, um, I've got a very blessed life, but I'm not not fully enjoying it because I feel guilty about it. I feel like I don't deserve it. And on the flip side of that coin, I'm not expressing what I'm good at. I'm trying to find other things. I've been told many times throughout my life, I'm a great writer. I love writing these talks. Wrote a children's book, but I got told no by a couple of publishers and agents, so I just shoved it down. I'm not good enough. Boom. Because it's way cooler to be a rock star than it is a children's book author. <laughs> That's what my mind was telling me. That was my story. That's your BS, your belief system. It's not true. And what's really cool? Understanding who you are, knowing who you are, and fully expressing it and accepting it and being at peace with it and facilitating it and giving it to the world. It's a skill that most people don't have. Most people don't have that kind of internal insight. That's where peace is. Look inside. Find out who you really are. Be okay with all the rough edges. Stop competing. Start accepting. In his book, The Eye of the Storm, Reverend Gary Simmons explains that the anecdote for the conflict and competition will bring is purpose, being the one who can bring peace to a situation. He goes on, the third attribute of wholeness is purpose. Purpose is the eye of the storm of competing values, goals, and needs. Purpose is the universe's intention to be, through you, the presence of God. You exist Because purpose is. What is the universe's intention that seeks to live through you? In unity, we call purpose the Christ of God, meaning the whole and complete expression of God, the Christ of your world. Jesus was the Christ of his world. You are the Christ of your world. Any lesser purpose is sure to create conflict in your life. He goes on. You see, until you take complete ownership of your purpose to be the Christ of God, the Christ of your world, you will not find inner peace or wholeness. Now, I know what you must be thinking. You don't feel worthy enough to consider yourself on the same level as Jesus. Well, don't fret. You're probably not on the same level as Jesus. (laughs) But you are on the same journey. You are in the process of awakening to God's idea of you. So take heart in this, my loves. Allow your life to unfold without judgment, consternation, any negativity while you continue to seek. And I judge the worst thing, the saddest thing we could do is when our time comes to an end here, we look back and we realize we did all these things, but we did them with constriction, with self-loathing, with contempt. Self flagellation, not fully open, that we just constantly beat ourselves up on this journey. It's okay to know not what to do, but it's not okay to suffer. This life is a gift. We have to view it as such. Do not be hard, be soft. In the 70th verse of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Stephen Mitchell, He says, nothing in the world is as soft and yielding as water, yet for dissolving the hard and inflexible, nothing can surpass it. The soft overcomes the hard, the gentle overcomes the rigid. Everyone knows this is true, but few can put it into practice. Therefore, the master remains serene even in the midst of sorrow. Evil cannot enter his heart. Because he has given up helping, helping, he is people's greatest help. True words seem paradoxical. So, moving forward, it would be my greatest joy if we all could find that unshakable inner peace and joy that's inside of us. Because when you close your eyes and when you can get still, and you go deep inside yourself, you will see that this inner life, this non-empirical energy that we can't really feel or measure, that we can't really see or measure, but we can totally feel, it's as inexhaustible and as vast as the universe. And if you can see that, if it goes on forever without end, how can you ever, ever believe that you're separate from God? And the beautiful song that jan, jan alluded to in the beginning let peace begin with me let this be the moment now with every step i take let this be my solemn vow to take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me Peace be with you, my loves. Let's take these thoughts these he is in meditation with me, if you will. <sighs> hmm. Try to quiet your minds. Get in touch with your breath. Just feel the weight of your body in your chair if you can you're at home standing on a couch, just feel that support that you have. You really don't have to do anything. It's there. Your heart beats without you trying. You inhale and exhale very little effort. Pretty much anything you can think of that you need has been given to you. This energetic wave of creation just flows and continues without us trying. We try so hard to manipulate things, to get things to match our ideas of what we want them to be, but if we take the time just to be still, go inward, look at the miracles that happen around us all the time that we just take for granted. We turn a faucet on and water flows go outside, the breeze blows, the leaves change colors, every day is a work of art. Let's choose to focus on the beautiful things, the things that are created for us, and the things we have a hand in. Let the idea of lack or not enoughness just float away. Because the power we have is inside of ourselves. We have the ability to make choices. There's nothing to be said that hasn't been said already. So I just want you to take these next few moments to make the choice to look at all parts of you, the parts you don't like, the parts you judge, the parts you wish were different. And just give it the biggest or the littlest energetic hug. Hug all your cells and thank them for doing what they do. Hug your bones for keeping you up. Hug your skin for keeping the elements off of you. And just thank, thank the universe, be at peace with your journey. Love your journey and love yourselves as I love you. And so it is. Thank you, Michael. Can you hear me? Hello? Okay much, Michael. Now with grateful hearts, we put our abundance.